Hello and welcome to the Royal College of Speech and Language Therapist News Podcast for May 2022. I'm Vicky and today, as always, I will be joined by Derek Mann, RCSLT's Director of Policy and Public Affairs. May has been shaping up to be quite a busy month and so I'm sure we've got lots to talk about. So welcome, Derek. So the Queen's Speech was a big event last week. Um, Are there any points of interest for speech and language therapy coming out of that, please, Derek? Uh, There are. Obviously, uh, members throughout the UK will be interested in the general political context and the general economic context. We record this on the day of the the new inflation figures. But there are specific pieces of proposed legislation for, principally for England, in some cases Wales as well, that are arising from Queen's speech. We were expecting them, but now they're there, they're really important. The thing that we know is going to happen is the schools bill. So this is specific for England and it follows on the white paper, which is the proposal to legislate. As always with these things, you've got the bit that makes what's called the news line, the bit the government put out there to try and sell what it is they're doing. And then you've got all of the complex detail that lies underneath. So the news line around the schools bill is around getting children to the expected level in um, reading, writing and maths. Of course, that is to be welcomed. And as you would expect, we have a strong joint position, actually one that we've done jointly with ICANN and with Voice 21 around the, the way that spoken language is essential to underlie those reading, writing and maths targets. So that will be a, a big thing. But there's all sorts of other things. For example, there's a, you know, a right in there for parents to access a new national tutoring programme, for example. There's stuff to do with um, extension of academy chains, which we know people have views on, but is also a model for speech and language therapy. So the schools bill, um, and also making sure it joins up tightly with send reforms, which I imagine I'll talk about later in the podcast. The the second thing that's in the Queen's speech is a draft bill when time allows. So they're not absolutely promising it. Um, And this is one which regular listeners will know we've been waiting for some time, which is the reform of mental health in England and Wales. Now, the top lines on this are about empowering people with mental health problems to make more decisions for themselves around their care particularly when we're talking about potential deprivation of liberty and detention under the Act. There will also be a particular focus, quite rightly, on the astonishingly disproportionate number of people of colour who are detained under mental health legislation. Um, From our perspective, there is the issue of learning disability and autism not by themselves being a sufficient reason to detain people, which is very clear in the proposals. Um, So, again, huge interest across the piece for us, and also our ongoing desire to be approved as mental health professionals for appropriate roles. One more thing, actually, sorry, Vicky, that we'll just keep an eye on. Follow the success we had with the uh, domestic abuse legislation and getting communication need written into that. There is a proposal for a victim's bill, And we'll have our usual concerns around addressing communication need in the justice process once we see the proposals for the victims' bill. Wonderful. Thank you. So that sounds like there's quite a lot that will impact 
Okay. Um, also, Northern Ireland has been in the news a lot um, following the elections to the Assembly. Do you expect to see any impact on health or social care and how it relates to speech and language therapy? And good news and bad news here. In terms of the good news, the political parties ahead of the election in drawing up their manifestos were very responsive. And we had wording in the Ulster Unionist Party manifesto, for example, um, and the Alliance Party, who people will have seen were the big winners, the, the kind of um, not aligned in terms of Unionist Nationalist Party. The Alliance Party actually gave us our first ever name check in an election manifesto where they pledged to work, support the work of the Royal College of Speech and Language Therapists. So that was, that was a good win by our colleagues in Northern Ireland. Um, as I've mentioned on previous podcasts, has effectively come to pass. Sinn Féin were the largest party. The Democratic Unionist Party actually are not refusing to go in because they didn't win, but you've got all the issues that you've seen all over the news about the Northern Ireland Protocol. Now, what that means is that for the time being, current ministers stay in place in a caretaker capacity, um, but they can't do anything new. Um, so you can forget medical transformation, you can forget changes in the way the budget is spent, um, and we're in that kind of stasis now until there's a, a breakthrough, or at least until the autumn. Great, thank you. So I expect we'll revisit that in another podcast. Okay, and also things happening in Wales. Uh, since we last spoke, the Welsh Government has published its programme for transforming and modernising planned care and reducing waiting lists in Wales. Can you tell us a bit more about that, please, and what's, what can we expect? Of course. I mean, I would say, you know, I, I often say to colleagues elsewhere in the UK, keep an eye on Wales because there's all sorts of interesting stuff going on. The, um, the speech and language programme for children there embedded in Welsh Government, the dementia work embedded in Welsh Government, the national pathways that Wales has for, for DLD and for selective mutism. I mean, where, where Wales is worth keeping an eye on. Specifically, this is common to all parts of the UK, which is about the, the huge backlogs and waiting lists and waiting times post-pandemic. Uh, so all governments are addressing this. The Welsh Government won. I mean, it, it says the right things on children's services. It says the right things on workforce planning. And, and that's more than could be said for, for the UK government, for example. It talks, of course, about reducing non-waits and the use of digital. The context is two-year waits. Yeah, and we all know, particularly if we're talking about children's early language, two-year waits is, yeah. So the, the, the Welsh Government have said the right things. The challenges are enormous. Thank you. That's Wales. Um, but I am sure that from discussions we've had already, Derek, that there is a lot of other stuff going on around the UK. Can you give us a flavour of some of those things, please? Yeah, I think so. I, I know this is sometimes the kind of, is there anything else you want to say question, but actually there's there's a heap of big stuff in here. And I think particularly for colleagues in England, the special educational needs and disability, the SEND reform, is absolutely massive. So we're in the midst of that. Obviously, we're consulting with members. And if you're not currently part of that consultation and you want to be, just get in touch. And also seeking to co-produce where we can with parents and their representatives, which is interesting given some of the proposals around mediation and choice of school. And so, as always with the sender form, it's interesting, the government has basically admitted that the 2014 reforms are not working. Um, they say they, they underestimated their complexity. Uh, one might say they also underestimated their cost. 
Um, we need to get the system and the structure right. It needs to dovetail with the, the new integrated care systems, which I'll talk about. It needs to be right for children and young people with education, health and care plans, but it also needs to be right for the many children and young people with language problems who will not have an EHC plan. So huge area for us, and we, we are, as you, can, as you would expect, devoting a lot of time and resource to our response to the centre forms. Alternative provision is also part of that um, proposal, so that we're, we're treating those together. The, the next enormous thing, regular listeners will have heard me talk about the passage of the Health and Care Bill. It is now the Health and Care Act. It has been passed into law. Implementation has begun. So the first set of regulations, for example, formally renamed NHS England as NHS England. So the, the actual body created by the 2012 Act was called the NHS Commissioning Board. And for years now, you've seen documents that say the NHS Commissioning Board, commonly known as NHS England. So finally, that's been resolved. It is NHS England. But clearly, that's cosmetic and there's a lot more to come down the track. The 42 integrated care systems across England are meant to come into being in full form, no longer shadow form, in July. Now, we are aware that this is at different stages across the country, but I guess we appeal again to, to members across the country. If you are not already engaged with the implementation of your local integrated care system, get engaged and do so fast. And be aware that in some cases, you'll need to do this alongside other allied health professional colleagues. Come to us if you need support with it, because it's, um, it's absolutely critical. Of course, it needs to dovetail with the, um, the SEND reforms, not least because of the victory, and actually uh, the meeting I was at immediately prior to this one, was about the making a reality on the ground of what's written into the Act about what the new systems and structures need to do for babies, children and young people. And first time I've ever seen babies specifically named as a category alongside children and young people. So that's all great, but what, how's that going to be done and what are going to be the accountability measures? Uh, so there's that. And then all of the other areas to do with the AHP workforce, to do with rehab, to do with potentially using a, um, a single identifier for children through the health system, to do with commissioning, um, is vast. Third thing to mention is the potential victory we've had on SLTs being allowed to become approved mental capacity professionals where appropriate. We've been added to the list in the new draft regulations. That consultation runs to July. We're not taking anything for granted. We need to make sure that there's no hiccup and that does go through into the final regulations so that where it's appropriate, speech and language therapists will finally be able to train to be approved mental capacity professionals. And then there's a whole heap of other things. There's the acquired brain injury strategy. There's the 10-year cancer plan. There's a secure school program. There's a big consultation on mental health well-being in the population. In Scotland, there's the expected legislation to bring in a national care system. So even before we get onto the stuff that we're doing proactively, there's plenty of government and policy for us to be engaging with as a team right now. That's a really fantastic roundup. Thank you, Derek. If we could finish with a couple of plugs. Firstly, the RCSLT has a stand at the health show, which is taking place on the 18th and 19th of May 
at the edX Sales Centre in London. And Derek and other colleagues will be at the stand, so do pop along if you can. The second plug is for the next episode of our mini-series of podcasts on anti-racism and speech and language therapy, and that is coming out in the next couple of weeks. Please do keep an eye out for that. Until next time, thank you.